Thank you so much, musicians. Would you grab your Bibles with me and turn over to this book of Psalms? We are in a series and we're starting to move from the more obscure Psalms or what would typically be less known Psalms into some of the more classic Psalms. Lyrics for life, as we just think about these words, many of you read a Psalm every single day. You're in the habit of doing that with your devotional life. What a great thing to do. Because the Psalms, these songs, these prayers and songs that are recorded for us speak with such practicality in our lives. And so as a church family, we're walking through some of those important life lessons as these lyrics speak to each one of us. Now we come today to the 37th Psalm. And for many, that is one of your favorite Psalms because it speaks a word of encouragement. In fact, when you look through the book of Psalms, I I would dare say really anywhere in the Bible, you probably would not find a more significant statement on encouragement. Truths of encouragement in the Bible help us. In fact, in these verses, and we'll only today have time to look at the very first four verses, but the entire chapter, is filled with one commendation, one bit of advice after another that you and I can have an application in our life that we can absorb, that we can put to use as we face really some disheartening days. You don't have to be wise or perceptive to know that we are still walking through some difficult days in our nation. We are walking through some very troubling times in our nation. It doesn't matter if it's economically or politically or culturally or even spiritually. Someone the other day said that this is one of the big three moments in American history in terms of a nation having so many different things converge at the same time. We had political turmoil. We had challenges within our nation uh, politically, but also in the midst of that, we had this major pandemic. And there are all kinds of underlying things that are pressing. And so that's why we keep hearing this word. In fact, I saw the other day that it's probably going to be the new buzzword of 2021. It really came out of nowhere in in the year 2020, this word unprecedented. We are now, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of hearing that word. Then how did it get in the sermon? Well, spontaneously, I might add. But there it came again. We, we hear that word often now. We're living in unprecedented times. And really the essence of that is what? When you look around at the 60s and 50s and 1940s, when you look around at our country, I guess you go all the way back to the Great Depression to have this much cataclysmic activity in a nation, in our nation. And so today we gather around God's word that speaks to us with great healing and great encouragement because we do live in days of perplexity and discouragement and uncertainty. And the good news for us today is that David gives us some very clear direction in these first four verses. I hope you brought something to write with today because there are three instructions that David gives us without fault for some really some good news for the bad times that we're living in. Now I want you to read these verses with me. We'll come back and dissect them as we walk through God's word. I'm gonna read from the New International Version today. Here's what God's word says. Psalm 37, beginning in verse number one. 
The Bible says, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Look in verse three, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Verse four, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Would you just quickly jot these three things down with me today? I think you'll find them very helpful as you and I really need. We are like parched ground right now in terms of encouraging words. And man, does David give us some encouraging words. First of all, he tells us very simply, refrain from fretting. That's what we see first and foremost, right out of the chute, Psalm 37 and verse one. Look at the very first essence of that. Do not fret. The King James says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Now we know the word fret means to be agitated, to be upset, to cause, to have a burning within our hearts. It's linked to frustration. And what David is saying is, you need to be cautious here. When difficult times come along, be careful that you don't take on a whining spirit. Don't be a complainer. Uh, see, what would the East Texas word be? Don't be down in the mouth. Be cautious about being a fretting person. Now, I just want you to put your thinking caps on with me for a moment, and I just offer you a question. Of all the things that the psalmist could have began with, of all the instruction to be encouraging through difficult days, I find it quite interesting, but more so in a question for you, why do you think the psalmist selected this instruction to start with? Why was that so important for that to be highlighted in the first few words of this psalm? Fret not thyself. Now, the NIV doesn't give us as much emphasis here out of the Hebrew language as really has given. The King James gives tremendous emphasis on it. We see immediately that this fretting is pointed back to the one doing the fretting. In fact, in the, the, those that, that uh, transcribe the King James translation, they made sure they put that English word in there, thyself. Fret not, thyself because it reminds us that the one that's doing the fretting always is going to draw the short stick much more than the one we're fretting to or fretting about and so we see immediately how very important that is now there's three things I think we can take away just jot them down quickly that we've learned about fretting we've learned it through the text We've learned it through life experiences. Three things that I've observed as well, and many of you have, about those that fret. Number one, fretting corrupts the spirit. Fretting always corrupts the spirit. Again, here it is in the King James, thyself, that word. The implication is directed at the one that's fretting. I was thinking just a moment ago, I shouldn't have been, I should have been more focused on the words of the lyrics of our time of worship, but my mind drifted for a moment. Now let's, let's have a time of confessional right here. How many of you, your mind drifts once in a while in worship? It better not be drifting now. How many, just, li just lift your hand if you want to have a good time of confession right now, okay? 
You know, hey, I like Josh's shoes today, or you were looking at this, or you were looking at that. And I was just watching as Josh was leading a moment ago because a few weeks ago we had my former uh, worship pastor here on stage. His name is Jason Millsaps. And uh, we kind of laughed because one of the revivals that we, did, uh, that we did together was in Monahans, Texas. How many of you know where Monahans, Texas is? Let me tell you something. You don't ever want to stay in a motel for a week in Monahans, Texas. There is no Hilton. Are you with me? But we went out there at the request of this pastor and he wanted us to come and we spent a week out there. And, you know, one of the things I've learned about fretters is fretters, again, they have something that begins to deteriorate their very soul. There's a corruption of it. I've seen it over and over. And man, they had some sweet people out there. Man, they loved on us. And I'm telling you, man, we were so glad when that week was over to head back to Albuquerque, New Mexico. We just couldn't wait. But man, they were loving people. But there was one lady in the church and she was special. One of those that the pastor warns you about ahead of time. And sure enough, I'm not gonna call her name, <laughs> but uh, I, met her, I met her the very first Sunday night. <laughs> Here she came. And man, I just loved on her and encouraged her. And she, but I made the mistake of asking her. I said, uh, how are you doing? And that was the last word that I spoke that evening to her. She, and I'm not exaggerating. In fact, I was talking to Jason about her when he was here for revival. I said, do you, do you remember? We, we called her by name. We, we, we both knew her. She, uh, she was quite adamant about all of her fretting and all the things going on in her life. And in fact, that first night, she began to tell me about the gallbladder procedure that she had had. And she began to tell me about the golf ball-sized gallstones that were moved. And this is the only time in ministry that she's, I've ever had anyone do this. She said, in fact, pastor, I've got the stones in a jar in the car if you want to see them. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating. Jason and I were laughing about that. But wouldn't, but, but wouldn't you agree that those that fret, they begin to have something happen inside their spirit. Think about that for just a moment. I wrote down 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Do you remember this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.14? Paul said, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Now listen to me. And then he said this, comfort the feeble-minded. Now many times when we think about that word feeble-minded, we think of people like Josh Thomas that are really limited in their abilities. But that's not what that word means in the Greek language. That word in the Greek language doesn't mean limited in, in, in their abilities. The Greek there suggests faint-hearted. In fact, the exact translation out of the Greek there is small-spirited, dwarfed in spirit. And you know, that's exactly what fretting does in the heart of an individual. It just shreds away at our spirit. The spirit just little by little begins to be dwarfed. We know so many people that have big hearts, they have big spirits, they're gracious, they're kind, they're hospitable. And, and, and I mean, for them, they always see things in a positive way. I would just suggest to you that one of the important factors that the psalmist brings to us is do not fret. Fret not thyself because that will eat your spirit away. 
But I'll tell you something else it does. It, it's very much contagious to the saints. Have you ever thought about that? A fretful person, they rub off on us all. Can I just share? Of course I am <laughs> and can. I'm the pastor. But uh, I just brought something here to read to you today. Straight off, dated April 2nd, 2018. I just share about this contagiousness of fretting from my own experience. In April of 2018, a gentleman in the church, one of our fretters at that time, he's no longer living. The Lord just took him for some reason. But he wrote me a fairly lengthy note. Not only did I receive it by email, but he made sure I received a copy that was folded up after he had been here on Easter Sunday morning. He said, here, put this in your jacket. So I did. To be honest with you, I gotta be transparent about this. I forgot about it for three weeks, the note, but I did get the one from the email immediately. It wasn't until I took the jacket to the cleaners three weeks later that I even remembered the one that he handed me. But in the note, man, I was so excited. We had a great 2018 Easter Sunday. We had just come out of that series. Do you remember the Stuff series? Had the shelves. We had, man, I just, I just felt great about where we were teaching. And then I'll just read you just a paragraph from the man's note that he sent me. And I quote, most of God's congregants, he said, come to worship and to hear a sermon of meat not milk, as stated in the scriptures. We do not need visual aids here at Oakland Heights. Bucket list, clocks, or shelves. Most of our congregation comes to hear the word of God, not to be entertained or amused. Your services are too long. And to be honest, you are not liked by our congregation. And, and you know, the Monday, the Monday after Easter 2018, that man stole all of my joy. He just rubbed up against me as a fretter. And all of a sudden, the visual aids went away. But I share with you a second note. And I just want you to sense the difference. I received this just six weeks after this note. This came in the form of text message. It just said this. Thanking God for a pastor who's sharing his heart, preaches God's word, and is powered by the Holy Spirit. Wonderful message this morning, Pastor, that encourages all. Always praying for our pastor and his wife that I received in January 2019. And I just ask you, which of those is a benediction of grace? You see, I think we understand, don't we, that all of us have been around fretters in our life and when they brush up against us, that fretting is contagious. And so today I'm gonna share something with you that some of you will not like. 
But if you are a fretter and God has not given you a victory over it, please don't come to church. You need to resolve that in prayer in your own time, in your own seclusion. Because fretfulness is contagious to us all. And all a fretter has to do is just brush up against us. And they immediately began to steal all of our joy. How important was it? The first rattle out of the box by the psalmist in one of the great psalms in all the Bible about encouragement. He said, boom, fret not thyself. A third thing quickly, just a simple thing I want you to take with you. And that is, it's also confusing the sinners. It's confusing the sin. Fretfulness in a believer's life confuses everyone around them. Now, I just wonder, and this is a, a discussion for another day, why do our churches in America, in the world today, not have a better testimony than we have when it comes to those that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, there's a question for lunch. Now, I know the world doesn't like the church. I understand that. But you know, it just seems to me, and I think it seems to many of you, that our testimony ought to be several notches better than it really is among the lost community. There's somewhere that you and I have got to be able to come to in church life that we can radiate that loveliness of Jesus to a lost community. That's so very important. But I just remind you that people are watching us. In January, I pulled out here on the interstate and pulled into a place called, have you ever heard of it before? Cracker Barrel. You know, I live out there in a motor home and I, mean, I was going to whip in there for some quick lunch and pulled in there and it was crawling with people. And you say, well, it's social distancing. I'm telling you, there were people in that gift shop. There were people hanging from the rafters, lined up at the bathroom. And we're, finally, I got a table back there and I sat down and I knew the little lady was busy. And, 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 and man, she came and got my order and got me some tea. And man, I was pumped and stoked and really in a hurry. And uh, I ordered and, you know, and it tells you at Cracker Barrel, order these things if you're in a hurry right up here on the board behind the hostess thing you look next time you go in order this if beans and greens meatloaf so I ordered a meatloaf I said I am in a hurry I didn't tell her that but I was in a hurry and I sat down there and I ordered and uh, she didn't come back I don't mean she didn't come back in a few minutes she disappeared and didn't come back at all and I sat there in the Cracker Barrel in January for, I, 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 I didn't look when it started, I gotta be honest with you. I'm gonna guess 35 minutes. That whole time I was counting the grains of salt in the salt shaker. <laughs> Finally, she reappeared. Maybe she was working the split side on the other side of that little bit. I couldn't even see her to flag her down in the restaurant. But I was counting that, that salt in that shaker too. But finally she came back and she said, oh gosh, I didn't bring you your food. And I said, yes, Captain Obvious. That, no, no I, I just said, hey ma'am, I just want you to know 
there's 46,818 granules of salt in that shaker right there. And I said, no big deal. Would you go back and see if they got any food? Anyway, I gobbled it down. That didn't take long. And uh, as I got up, I noticed a man about three tables over. He had gotten up, and I just thought he was going to get his bill. And uh, he walked, man, and all of a sudden, we met eyes. And I, hey, this, this cat's coming to this table. And, and, and he came, and his first words to me, he says, Pastor Cook, I was watching you. I said, you were watching me. I was watching you. I said, sir, do I know you? And he reached down and he grabbed my bill off the table. And he said, I'm going to take this and I'm going to pay this for you today. He said, I was watching you. And I said, sir, again, I don't think I know you. Do, do I know you? He says, oh, I know you. You don't know me. He said, 17 years ago at First Baptist Church Gilmer, y'all had this big community crusade. He said, I think over 100 students alone were saved in that crusade. And I said, that's exactly right. And he said, my son was one of those that were saved. Now he said, I never attended your church. But he said, I'm just going to take this today and pay the bill because I appreciate what you and that, that church did for my son. And as he walked off after I thanked him, I just said under my breath before the Lord, I'm so thankful I didn't cuss at that lady. <laughs> you, know, you know about my patience now. You know how patient I am. I was counting those grains in that salt shaker. But somebody's watching us. They might not tell you that they're watching you. You may not know that they're watching you. Fretting. Fret not thyself. Now, I've got to be transparent. I see that clock back there. I've spent way too much time on point number one. But it doesn't matter. These other two aren't that important anyway. There's not much content in them. I'm just joking with you. Second thing, quickly, let's just jot it down. I'll walk you through it. The psalmist said, here's another word of encouragement that you need to employ in your life. Be encouraged through difficult days by relying on his faithfulness. Relying on his faithfulness. Jot that down now. Jump down to verse three. The Bible says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Now, just for the sake of time, I'm going to give you three quick words. I think they'll be meaningful if you'll jot them down. When it comes to trusting the Lord, many times we put the equal mark by this with our finances, but it's much broader. I would suggest to you these three words really give us a picture of God's care as he keeps us in these safe, as the psalmist described them, in this safe pasture. There's calamity all around us. Mask and devastation and political upheaval and craziness, but we take refuge in this safe pasture. And the first word is supplies. It's amazing, God always, remember this, he always supplies. You remember what Paul said? Paul talked about this in Philippians 4.19. Paul said, my God will supply all your needs according to his 
riches of his glory. Aren't you thankful that God provides more than you and I could ever imagine? I just watched your hands go up a moment ago on this PPP stimulus vote. And I just stand before you, I've just been amazed this past year. We keep around 66 or 67 employees here at our church. Some part-time, some full-time. But it, it, it almost always is between 64 to 67, 68 employees. Schools, ancillary programs, church staff. And you know, when, when this thing shut down last March, when our church, like all the others, shut down last March, you do understand the peril that that put us all in. You do understand that Baptists, for sure, don't really give nearly as much as when they're attending church. And so our giving was like a third of what it had been. And you got all these employees and they're depending on this, this income to support them. And over this past year, I've just been literally amazed. And I think if we go back and we listen to all the services, maybe there might have been one mention one time in this past year of anything about giving. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that our God supplies. He is the most amazing God at supplying our needs. Aren't you thankful that our God supplies us of everything that we need? You know, we got to remember, we're not some group of pitiful orphans that go to the back door of heaven begging. We are the heir of God, the co-joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful our God supplies. Jot this second, down, this second word down, God sustains. God always sustains. In other words, what we have, he is able somehow, some way, we're grateful that he stretches that. Everything that we have to make it go further than you and I could ever dream it going. We don't have time today, but down here in Psalm 37, if you scroll down to around verse 16 or so, there's an interesting statement there, and here's what it says. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna quote it to you from the King James. A little that the righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. You know what that statement really means? It means in the hands of a sovereign God, a little bit will go further than the riches of the wicked. And then quickly, a third word. God also not just supplies and sustains, but he satisfies. He satisfies. Now listen to me when I mention this to you. God has this innate ability for the things that we cannot have in our lives. The things that we cannot have, somehow I believe one of the greatest grace provisions in all the Bible is God's ability to take away the desires in our heart of the things that we cannot have. Jot down Philippians 4 and Paul's incredible words here where he says, I have learned, you remember this? I have learned to be what? Content in whatever circumstances I am in. Paul's acknowledging there's a lot of things I don't have. There's not a lot of things with what God's called me to do that in his heart, at least initially, he had to give up. There were sacrifices to be made. But all of a sudden, Paul began to acknowledge, you know what? The truth is, I don't care about that stuff. The truth is, I don't care about it. 
His relationship with Jesus was more precious than all those things. And for each of us to be able to to come to a place to understand that Jesus is better than the world. I wrote down the great theologian's quote here. I love it. The old Oklahoma humorist, Will Rogers, said this. Listen, you better have your thinking caps on when you listen to this. Will Rogers said, a lot of people living in the country today are moving to town so they can make enough money to move back to the country. (laughs) Punch Sam. He'll get it here in just a minute up there, Sarah. We need to be content in what we have. I want to mention this third and final instruction. We got to hurry. I remember my 2018 note. Our services are way too long. Jot this third thing down. Just jot it down quickly. Number three, the psalmist said in verse four, we need to rejoice in his, that's God's fellowship. We need to rejoice in God's fellowship. Look, just take a quick look again at verse four. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If I could ask one thing of our worshipers today, I mean, you're probably going to forget everything except the Cracker Barrel salt shaker. And the next time you go into Cracker Barrel, you'll remember to look above the hostess stand to see what you can order quickly if you're in a rush. But if I could just beg of you to remember one thing, it is to fill this little statement in, and this would be the one thing I would ask you to take with you. This probably summarizes everything that I want to communicate to you about encouragement in difficult days. I want you to hear it well. The little statement, if you ever get your desires, did you get that? Your desires ahead of your delights. This is so important. If you ever get your desires ahead of your delights, then there will never be any delight in your desires. You do understand that, don't you? Now, I know some of you are saying, well, hey, that's a little clever play on words. In the Hebrew language, that's bull hockey. That's not a little clever play on words. That is a biblical principle. Look at it in verse four. There it is for us. Take the lot. Did you notice that the psalmist very carefully, listen to me, carefully in an instructive way says, number one, first, Up in the front part, nothing has been reversed here. This is the way it was transcribed. This is the way it was written. Number one, take delight in the world, uh, in the Lord, and then look. Now, you know what that is. In the Bible, we call that a conditional promise. Conditional promise. If you take delight in the Lord, then he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, that's why it's so important we understand. If you ever get the desire part and the delight part mixed up, then you and I will have very difficult days all the way through. You see, when you look at this in context, when you go down in this chapter to verse five and six and seven, 
you, you begin to see a clear cut picture. In fact, if you back up in verse two and three, you begin to see what the psalmist is doing. He's saying, hey, those that live in wicked ways, here's what's gonna happen to them. They're gonna fade away, man. They're, they're gonna wither. They're gonna shrivel up like, 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 like they never even existed. But for those that are faithful, for those that have a covenant with me, that are in relation with me, and they love me and they delight in me, those people, they're gonna receive the very delight of their hearts. We don't have time to look, but over there in Psalm chapter 16, there's a verse there, I want you to hear it. Psalm 16 and verse two. It says, thou wilt shew me out of the King James the path of life in thy presence is the fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures evermore. In fact, if we had time, Psalm 16, five and six amazing. Psalm 16, two is amazing. The picture is this. God says there's those moments when you and I have this kind of prayer. It may not be the exact words, but here's the prayer we pray, the, the prayer that we pray. You know it because we've all prayed it. Lord, if somehow, some way, you will grant me this wish, grant me this request, then I want you to know that I will love you in a capacity that I've never loved you before. Lord, my son is laying up there and I see you. And if you choose to spare him, then I want you to know that I will give and serve and be all that you want me to be. And I gotta be transparent with you today as your pastor. I believe when God hears that, he turns his ear away and he begins to hear other fervent prayers. Because the Lord gives us a very important promise here, a conditional promise. He says, first and foremost, Michael Cook, I want you to love me. To delight just in me. Not for what I can give you. Not for what I can provide for you. Not because you can say that you're some big God follower. Michael Cook, first and foremost, Here's all I ask. Make me first in your life. Talk to me. Love me. Build a relationship with me. And then, Michael Cook, I'll give you the desires of your heart. One of the most important things that Becky Cook has taught me about marriage, and there have been many, <laughs> some painful. It's not about what gifts you give me. It's not about how you provide for me. It's that you invest time in me. Don't you understand, husband, I need you, not your things, not your influence, 
not an authority. I need you. And I just suspect that in maybe in difficult days, maybe there's a man or a woman, maybe there's a couple that's come today to this place of worship. And you, in your heart, were saying amen from the start today because you have come to this place in difficult days. And God has spoken a word of encouragement from the text into your heart. And the takeaway for your marriage and for your home and for your kids and even in the midst of a marriage that's frayed or fragmented is that God wants a relationship with him. And so as we pray today, we'll be praying that the Holy Spirit would impart that message into places that we as humans could never go, into the little crack and crevices of those places where the Holy Spirit can penetrate and human hands cannot. Good news for bad, bad days. Our God is willing, able, and waiting. Would you pray with me today? Lord, we thank you for these four verses that we've had time today to sink our teeth in and to look at the language and the text. And out of that, Father, we, we feel and sense your encouragement. We know your plan for us is to prosper. That's what the word of God teaches us. You are here to prosper us. You are here to make sure we live a fulfilling and complete life. And Father, we pray right now for those places of difficulty and challenge. We pray in these moments that someone may so desperately need, like the scorched earth, need the incredible refreshing rains of the Holy Spirit to just speak to them in their life, into their marriage, into their home, into their work situation, into a personal challenge that they're embattled in in their life, that right now you would just pour your spirit into that place, that void, that vacuum. And would you just soothe your very oil on those places that so desperately that they're wounded and they're hurting. Father, we love you. And we've gathered into this place today to worship your name. We will exalt your name, Jesus, over every other name. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you look this way? In just a moment, our team is going to sing and they're going to lead us and continue to lead us in a time of worship. On the bottom of your little bulletin or your card today, if same card that people register to be a guest, until we fully get reopened and have this time of invitation as we know it, I want to encourage you. Maybe today God is calling you to respond at this moment. And we want, as pastors, the opportunity to reach out and to touch you. Not physically, but spiritually. We would love for you to just jot us a note. Pastor, just want you to know I'm praying about 
receiving Christ. Pastor, I just want you to know I need help. Can someone call? Pastor, we need you to help us in this prayer matter. It's, it's important. It's significant. Would you pray with us about that? We would love for you to take that card. You don't have to confront any individual. You can just drop it in any of these boxes at the exits. And I assure you, I pledge to you, we will be in contact with you very quickly. I just want to thank you today for how you listened. Man, you listened well. In fact, keeping Sam Garrison awake was the best preaching job in all of America. Can you say amen? Amen.